0: The Decibel Geek Podcast would like to thank Tales from the Stage author Michael Tony for his help in arranging this week's interview. Featuring 15 in-depth interviews with some of the most influential names in the hard rock and heavy metal genre, more information can be found at talesfromthestage.com. That's talesfromthestage.com.
1: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. With Aaron Camaro and Chris Zinzak. All right, ladies
2: and gentlemen, it's that all important time. Once again, you know it. Time for the Decibel Geek podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my main man right here in the Decibel Geek Studios with me, Chris Zinzak. How's it going, brother?
0: Doing great. How are you?
2: I'm doing awesome. We are gonna have some fun tonight.
0: We're taking the Wayback Machine and also some awesome awesome current stuff for the uh, guest of today.
2: Yeah, very cool. We're going to be talking to Jeff Duncan. If you don't know, you think way back to a band called Odin. You Mm -hmm. may not know them unless you are familiar with the Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. The Metal metal Years. That's right then you definitely know who Odin is. If not, well, how about Armored Saint? Yeah, we've, we we love us some Armored Saint around here. I know I do. I love Armored Saint. Some
0: great rock and metal.
2: And uh, we're going to turn you on to a band called DC4 today, which if you haven't heard of them... By the end of today's episode, you're going to be real glad you did.
0: Yeah, we are, because they were they a real diamond in the rough, because even we weren't clued in no until idea. we started researching for had this. had and no
2: they, idea that there was this amazing awesome. band out there called DC4, <laughs> and had we not taken the time to sit down and talk to Jeff Duncan, w- who knows? We could have lived our entire lives and never hearing this band, and how shitty would that have been? we we'll
0: be hearing a lot more from them in, uh, later on in the show, yeah. and in the future. Oh, yeah. I yeah, can see them on some radio suck oh, shows. Oh,
2: definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So we gotta get to uh geek of the week for the week. And uh, Aaron, who's our geek of the week this
2: week? Uh who is our geek of the week? Oh, it's the man gonna catch me a ride home tonight after the show, Rick Shaw. Don't be racist. I ain't saying he's <laughs> Asian or anything. I'm just saying he's No, Rick he Shaw. actually
0: looks dead in his profile picture.
2: His name is Rick Shaw.
0: And he's got a profile picture of a rotting corpse. But I um
2: I don't can't guarantee he's a taxi cab driver.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, Canadian, uh, on the as it, it the uh, Hoser hijack episode we had with Wally and Rich. I just got to say, back.
2: those guys, I got to agree with Rick Shaw. They did an awesome job. They did. and he said, A lot of uh, fun.
0: He said, thanks to you two, I can't stop listening to 40 Suns, one-way ticket, great tune. So Wally and Rich, a couple weeks back, good job on uh, on picking up some uh, they really, new stuff there. They
2: killed it, man. And, you know, I told Wally myself, you know, what it's all about is being fun. Being entertaining, informative, and turning people on to new music they never heard before, and they, they covered the they bases. hit it with me, man. I heard all kinds of cool stuff I never heard before that day.
0: Great job on that, and uh, excellent. Yeah, be hearing more from them in the future. Uh, so yeah, today's show: Jeff Duncan, Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, Armored Saint, DC Four. Yeah, there
2: ain't nothing more to do but to do it. So let's do it. Desperate Geek Podcast, Jeff Duncan, right now. to me i think the first thing i think about when i think of jeff duncan is man you come from a rock and roll family don't you
3: oh uh, yeah i sure do
2: <laughs> i mean you got to think the duncan boys right
3: oh yeah yeah i mean uh, uh myself and my brothers uh, along with uh Rowan Robertson robertson people might know from uh Dio, yeah we have a band ourselves pc4 they've got three records out and uh uh my dad was actually uh, a musician too he had a he had a gold single in the early 60s and uh the whole family's musical goes way back
2: right on
0: and started playing guitar at the age of 10 uh we read in the research is wiki correct on that
3: yes okay (laughs) (laughs)
2: because you can't always trust it you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah
3: 10 years old i got the bug Right on.
2: So you obviously come from a musical family between you and your brothers. You know, you say your dad was involved in music and you picked up the guitar at 10 years old. When you were 10 years old, I mean, you know, you're a rock and roller through and through. What kind of stuff were you turned on to at that age that made you want to pick up and start rocking the guitar?
3: Well, I mean, it, it kind of started with uh, my brothers and I, our parents had given us uh, these boxes and records because we got a record player, and that was pretty early on, mm-hmm. and it was a bunch of 50s music. So um, that was really kind of where it started, with listening to 50s music and, and getting into that, which uh, which was a nice introduction because that music's very melodic and, and uh, fun to sing, and, right. uh, and the chord progressions were easy, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But it kind of started there, and then... Uh, you know, our dad, he was really into, um, you know, he was really into Elvis and, and, uh, and you know, a lot of stuff Chicago, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, Cat Stevens, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so, you know, there were times where he would sit us in front of the stereo and say, here, listen to this album. Just We would just sit there and listen to records. And uh, so it was a real, real vast kind of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of music. Uh, I think the hard rock. And metal was just kind of something that 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 I myself took to you know the second I heard it. I'm like, this is where I want to go. You know, and that was definitely Black Sabbath. Right on. Uh, that introduced me to that.
0: And what was what was Dad's reaction to hearing Black Sabbath?
3: Uh, well, you know, he was pretty open-minded, so he just, you know, he thought it was interesting. And and uh, but you know, he he just was really supportive. You know, he was really you know, you want to do music, do music. But then you know. If I decided I wanted to become whatever else, he would have been the same way about it. But I think he was especially pleased that we all wanted to be musicians. Oh, okay.
0: well right on. That's unusual to find in a parent, you know, and especially one in the industry. A lot of times they'll be like, "Oh, don't go into that. I know what it's like," you know.
3: Yeah. Well, he was he was a rock and roller, you know, in, in his day. You know, he was a uh, uh, he was into all the you know Elvis and and all that stuff. So he was he was a rock and roller at heart. So. He, he he understood what it was all about. It wasn't like he was alien to it. He had done it in his youth.
0: Right, right. And uh when you was Odin the first band you put together?
3: Yeah, pretty much. It kind of evolved from a band uh that I joined uh when I was in 7th grade. And uh it just kind of evolved out of that and became Odin. Uh which is a long story, but um but it's yeah, that was definitely my first my first rock band. I the first thing I did that made records and played clubs, and when I first got into the mix, or the mess, depending on how you look at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what what was, uh, around what year are we talking about when Odin starts playing out in the clubs in Los Angeles?
3: That was probably about 19, 1983, I'm going to say. Uh, and the, the first real club gig we did, actually, uh, or ironically, was opening up for Armored Saint at the Troubadour.
2: Really? Nice. That's ironic, man. Talk about rock and roll irony, huh?
3: Yeah, that's when we met them. We became friends with them. So when I joined Armored Saint, it was great because I was already really good friends with the band. Well, that's It,
2: It almost seems to me, you know, in retrospect that you're almost more of a better fit with a band like Armored Saint as opposed to Odin. Because it seemed to me like Odin had that like hard rock, almost Man of War look. But you guys had a different sound that was definitely tied in with what was going on in L.A. at the time. Um, you know, you had your brother with you in um, Odin, right? Your yeah, brother Sean on summer, drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was Matt doing at that time? I mean, I'm just curious, What's the how, how's the age lineup? Is Matt like too young to be in Odin at this time or what?
3: No, I mean he's really not that much younger than me. But uh, he was—he uh, picked up the bass a little later on. But he did have a—he did have his own band that was playing in L.A. at the time, a band called Castle. So he was—he was rocking and rolling. But by the time when when we had started the band, he wasn't really attacking the bass at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, like we, like we were. Um, well, he was—he was, he was just—he was doing his practicing in his room. Period. At that point in time, when when that band came to be. So, um, but then, uh, you know, one day we turned around and he was just like really awesome. So when, uh, you know, down the road, when, when I decided to put together DC four, he was the obvious choice. Right on. So it was, uh, there was no, there was no denying that who was going to be the bass player.
2: That's cool. So it starts out, we'll go back to Odin. You know, it's, it's Randy O on vocals, yourself, Jeff Duncan on lead guitar, Sean Duncan, your brother on drums and Aaron Sampson on bass. You guys are, you know, when people talk about Odin, you know, when you look back in retrospect today, you know, Odin's kind of an obscure thing. You know, it, they're not like Motley Crue where it's you can easily find out about Motley Crue. You can easily find out about Guns N' Roses. It's a little bit harder to dig up information on Odin. You know, you guys just were one of those bands. I think your contemporaries always said, you know, out of the bands in L.A. that didn't get signed, that didn't get that didn't make it. Your name's always at the top of that
4: list.
3: Yeah, well, it was, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a classic rock and roll story. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, with Odin, uh, you know, there was, there was definitely a period of time we were one of the biggest, if not the biggest band in Hollywood.
4: Right. And
3: we had a very, a very uh, huge following. Uh, but, uh, you know, for reasons, uh, you know, I'll never know. You know, we had some management issues and that sort of thing, but it's just—it just never really—it uh, just never really happened for us. And you know, there's there's some other bands that were like that too that, that I thought were great. You know, a band like Leatherwolf, which was awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they had a huge following. Same kind of thing. And after some reason, it just didn't it didn't cross that that it didn't go to that next level.
4: Mm-hmm. And uh,
3: you know, Odin slugged it out for you know. Seven or eight years, and uh you know after enough time, you just kinda get sick of doing the same thing over and over so when armor sane approached me i uh you know I thought it over, of course, but uh it was definitely the best thing for me to do at the time,
0: yeah, well, with the you know and you mentioned that Odin kind of started hitting clubs around eighty three and I think A lot of people lose sight because, you know, of course, everyone goes back and looks at things retrospectively now with YouTube and everything. And you can go on and you can watch the old clips from the Decline movie. And I think back, you know, if you look back at that clip, you're thinking, oh, these guys were around for, you know, six months. Bill Gazzari, you know, vouched for them. And. It looked like they were gonna make it, and then all of a sudden, nothing. But then, it's like like you said, you got you started hitting clubs at 83. So there was a lot of dues being paid leading up to you know you guys getting involved in that movie. So did did Gazari pretty much champion you guys right off, or did you have to struggle quite a bit before you got that little that push from him?
3: Well, we didn't we didn't really start playing at Gazari's till later on in the band's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Uh... It was later on that we started playing Guzzaris. Before that, we were playing places like uh, the Country Club and Reseda. We did uh, the Troubadour quite a bit and, and uh, places like that. Um, so Guzzaris came later on, like probably around 88, 87, 88 was when we started playing there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Bill was great. I mean, you know, we got paid real well. But we were doing, you know, we'd do, we'd do Thursday, Friday, Saturday and sell it out. And... Uh, you know, three nights and he was real fair with paying us and really liked the band and, and he was great. You know, he was just uh he was real supportive and, and, and a cool guy. He was cool to me. I know that much. And uh, uh but yeah Gazzari didn't didn't really happen till later on.
2: I gotta imagine at that time, you know, it's gotta be a pretty good thing that, that Bill Gazari's got your back, you know, and if people don't know the godfather of rock and roll in Hollywood, you know, ran the club brought in all these great bands. I think it started like back in the 60s with the Doors and everybody that's pretty much rocked any time in the history of L.A. has played at this place. But at that time in in L.A., there's a lot of of, uh, what they call pay-to-play going on at the clubs. Were you ever privy to any of this? I mean, you say, you know, Bill has got you and and pays you well, but there's got to have been a lot of bands that paid to play with you guys. You ever see any of that?
3: Well, no, because it didn't exist then. Uh, That didn't exist then. I mean, bands would play... And they would get paid based on, on their draw and they'd work out a door deal with them.
4: Right. Uh nobody
3: was nobody was paying to play. Like a band like Odin, for example, we would say, Okay, we want this much guarantee and then we get this percentage of the door if it gets beyond this many people. Right. So we had you know, we had the leverage to kinda of say this is what we want. Um, but other bands that were up and coming, which we were in that position too, you know, for a few years, you know, which was, you know, you get a percentage of what you bring in. And that's what's fair. You know, the pay-to-play thing is completely unfair. Yeah. And uh, I'm real glad that, you know, when I was up and coming, I didn't have to deal with that.
0: Right. It's, well, it's become a feast or famine thing with the way the club owners treat the groups now with it. Right. You know? But, um, you know, and all right, so let's go in a little bit into, into the whole movie thing. When the, when the movie starts doing production around L.A., how do you guys get involved? Did Penelope come to you, or how did that work out?
3: Yeah, we just got a call. Uh, about it and if we wanted to be in it and uh, uh, you know there was a flat rate we were offered to do it and we just said hey why not and we didn't really think anything of it we just thought okay this will be interesting <laughs> you know um, so we did it and, uh, and the movie came out and uh, and it was funny because it was a little you know kind of you know, I think it was kind of embarrassing at first but then later on it just became like this cult thing and I had people approaching me about it and, and I was like well you know we were just—we just got filmed being, being, and doing what everybody else was being and doing you know, at the
4: time. Right. Yeah.
3: So uh, I'm real glad that uh, you know I'm real grateful that we were in it, and it, you know it definitely gave Odin some recognition that maybe we otherwise wouldn't have wouldn't have had at least at least on a national level.
0: Sure. Well, you, you did, I mean I did I got to imagine back then you're filming that hot tub scene with all the girls. You probably weren't thinking. I'm gonna be asked about this in twenty five years.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, it still happens, you know. I mean we're talking about it right now. You exactly. Know? exactly.
2: <laughs> one thing I've noticed from that film is that it, there's like the scenes. You know, you got the Paul Stanley scene where he's laying in the bed with the women, and you got the Ozzy scene where he's cooking himself breakfast, and of course Chris Holmes in the in the, the pool, pool, you know, yeah. no one can forget ever forget that. Were you guys like when when they came to you about it, did you pick your scene? Did you say we want to be in the hot tub drinking beers with a bunch of hot looking girls around us.
3: No, uh, we're just kind of, you know, it, that, that hot tub was actually at Penelope's house.
4: Oh really? And,
3: uh, yeah, she said, yeah, you're going to come up to my house, you know, just hang out in the hot tub and, you know, bring whoever you want. So we invited a bunch of girls and she, uh, Penelope, Penelope loaded us up with beer, which I think was intentional. Right. And, uh, <laughs> uh you know, you sit in the hot tub and drink beer at, it, it, you get like twice the effect after a while. That's that, true. That's what happens. That's true. And uh, so we were pretty, we were pretty drunk when they filmed that. And uh, so no, we just, we just went along with it. We were like, okay,
4: fine. Yeah, you. you
0: know. It's funny uh, you mentioned Penelope getting you guys drunk because I interviewed uh, Nader and Brian from London a few months ago when those guys were here in Nashville. And they, uh, they mentioned that they got loaded up pretty good on their scenes also. And actually Ricky Rackman also mentioned in his interview that he got loaded. So I think we know yeah. what the common denominator was on, uh, getting ready for the shoot these scenes.
3: Yeah. Well, that, that was the, uh, you know, everybody was I mean, at that <laughs> time. It was, it was all about that. It was all about a few things. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, everybody, everybody was up to the same thing, yeah. you know, and, uh, Definitely did it to the hilt. I mean, put it this way: 1989, I stopped everything. I haven't touched the drop thing since 1989. Wow! So I'm like, I, I'm like, I got my fill of all that. Boy, I guess know, in my 20s. So <laughs> you know, or not even my 20s. You know, I mean, Odin. Odin was a sellout act, but at 17 we were selling out. Yeah. You know, between 17 and 23, it was just a party. You know, we did a couple Odin reunions. You know, over the past 10 years, there's been like two or three gigs we've done um that have been great and a lot of fun and we never know if it's going to be the last one or what's up you know but but that didn't happen till way later odin didn't reunite for anything till 2003 right so it was a long time before we were uh ready to do that you know because we put it to bed and uh i certainly did not want to do it uh i I think i was the one who was holding out the longest because i didn't want to do it Hmm. but um but then I was listening to some records one day and I was like, you know, that might be a good time. And so I called everyone and, and we got together. And it was great. Yeah, well, it was just, it
1: very was cool. Great. And now, Deep Thoughts with Lemmy Killmeister.
3: The thing is that they said it's an action figure. And I said to him, you're going to put a dick on it. And he said, no. And I said, it's not going to get much action. <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: Listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your App Store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Hi, I'm the Red House on the Corner,
2: right where your baby used to stay, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast.
0: It was in eighty eight was it eighty eight that you joined Armored Saint?
3: Yeah. 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 I joined Armored Saint in in 1988. Initially I was in the band with Dave Pritchard on guitar.
0: Now
2: was hold on a second. Hold on. You guys are jumping ahead of me here. Okay. You brought up Lost Boys. I wanted to ask a question about Lost Boys, and this is something I've really been wondering about. How is it, you know, and I don't know, you know, if there's a definitive answer to this or maybe it's just an opinion thing. How is it that you guys from eighty three To eighty eight are in Odin, and you just can't get that big record contract, you know. And then Randy O leaves Odin, forms Lost Boys. You're on board, and all of a sudden, boom! You guys have a contract. I mean, how does that work? Was it all Vicky Hamilton?
3: uh, That's the music biz, man. And yes, I mean Vicky Hamilton had a lot to do with that. You know, Uh, she was, and and it's no, it's no slight to her in any way. I, I saw Vicky maybe. Five months ago, or something like that, and we said hi, and it was great. But Vicky had approached Randy, and she really believed he was the star of the band. It was a classic story, you know? right?
2: Because everybody and, sees Randy O as the sex symbol of the '80s. That should have been
3: right, and and so she wanted him to leave the band and put together his own thing. I and mean, then she was she didn't want to shop Odin; she wanted to shop Randy. Uh. So he he succumbed to that, and. Uh, you know, really how it worked is, you know, then it got kind of tense in the band, and Armored Saint had been knocking on my door since Delirious Nomad, yeah. you know, that's, that's just the truth. Nice. Um, but I was uh, I was holding out because I was still into my band, and um, so Armored Saint came knocking again at that time, and I told them yes, and so uh, Odin did his last gig knowing it was over. In fact, I was rehearsing with Armored Saint and Odin at the same time, and i did the last my last gig with Odin uh, at Gazaris, and then the following week did my first gig with Armored Saints uh, out in Merceda at the country club. So it was all very quick that whole transition one band ending and me beginning in, in another one happened really quick um so I was in the band initially with with uh Dave Pritchard and uh so it's all real it's all real close, but then. I was. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to continue with this?
2: Yeah, keep <laughs> going, man. Yeah, man. You're on a roll.
3: So I was in the band with Dave Pritchard, and uh, I ended up doing a tour with them. We did. We played with. Uh, we did a tour with King Diamond, and it was great. And we got back from that tour and started writing and doing demos for what would come to be Symbol of Salvation. And uh, uh, then I was uh, at that time. I had some personal things I wanted to deal with, and, and I, I had a lot going on, and so I, I departed the band um, briefly. And in that time, I was out of Armored Saint. I did the Lost Boys album.
4: Okay. And
3: uh, and Dave Fritchard passed away. And then I got approached by, you know, sometime later, I got approached by, by John Bush and Joey and Gonzo about coming back to Armored Saint with Phil and doing another album, you know, which... And we already had, there was all that material written. I mean, songs like Rain of Fire and, and, uh, uh, you know, Dropping Like Flies and uh, Tainted Past, you know. uh, Well, not Tainted Past, but uh, there was Tribal Dance. A lot of that stuff was was Dave's, stuff Dave wrote. Mm -hmm. And I was really the only person on the planet who knew how to play that stuff correctly because Dave had shown it to me because I was on the demos. And uh, and Phil was the you know it's a very family kind of thing so uh, they weren't going to just let some guys some guitar players back in the band it had to be that way for it to continue and which I was so happy to do you know and and, uh, and making that that particular album was very spirited because there was a, there was a cause behind it there was you know it was it was about Dave's legacy and it was about the band forging on because it almost ended it was almost over
2: I can imagine so.
0: Yeah, there's quite a quite a history there with Armored Saint, and then obviously with that's
2: a killer album, by the way, Symbol of Salvation. Oh yeah, amazing yeah. And, stuff.
0: And also the uh, Revelation album that came out in 2000 was, is awesome too. And you know the what the, describe what it was like going back and forth with John Bush being in and out of Anthrax. I mean, was how difficult was that for the rest of you guys to deal with?
3: Well, when John joined Anthrax, there was no question that the band couldn't go on. I mean you can't have armored saint without john bush it's, right, it's right. impossible you know um so uh, but, but at the time i mean i certainly didn't blame him i mean he armored saint was uh we had done touring for symbol of salvation in the states it was very rough because you know at that time 1991 you know nirvana was starting to hit and that whole thing and seattle stuff and mm-hmm. and armored saint just wasn't doing what was popular i mean period so touring was really rough and uh you know, Anthrax had kind of already made it, so to speak, you know, to that next level. Yeah, and, they were uh, established. And they were hitting him up. I mean, he initially turned them down. Oh, really? And they were, uh, yeah, he had initially said no. and uh, But they, you know, they kept at him. And so he finally did it. And uh, I didn't blame him at the time. In fact, well, John was in Anthrax for, for a time. We were roommates. I mean, you know, I understood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, really? I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> you know, if any of us had had an offer like that at the time, we would have taken it. Well, yeah. sure,
2: you know, way. you got to.
0: Yeah, and then you know, I've, then sound of white noise comes out, and then uh, it. Was, I got to say, because I was an Anthrax fan, you know, with Belladonna, and but I, I, it was one of the few instances where a band could make a sharp left turn as far as a vocalist goes, and it still sounds great, and because he he fit them well. But at the same time, the stuff you guys were doing on Symbol of Salvation is, you know, I him being an Anthrax led me to, to get into Armored
2: Saint because... Right, I'm sure that was a lot of... A lot of people probably. A lot of were. that way.
0: And, you know, so I was like, wow, you know, he was doing some really awesome stuff here, and then, you know, it's just, it's awesome to know that he was able to go back to that, but um, so you guys had a pretty strong friendship even when he was out of the band?
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I knew those guys, you know, John and Albert Saint, I knew those guys before I was in the band, so I was certainly going to be friends with them no matter what, I mean, I, I think that's the most important thing: is that we're friends, we have relationship, and and the band is kind of, you know, really secondary to that, mm-hmm. as far as you know, because Armored Saint will come to an end one day, and we'll get old, and you know, I'll be, you know, I'll be old, an uh, old man, friends with those guys, you know, <laughs> uh, that'll never change. So, but I, you know, I was supportive of John. You know, I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to, you know, I I always thought he was you know, a great, a great singer, one of the best. And, and I wanted him to, to get noticed. And and at the time, that's what it was going to take, you know, for him to do what he wanted to do. So, um, was I sad, armored saint had to end? Yeah. You know, I, I went through a little confusing period after that, but, uh, you know, it, it was about him doing well. And as a friend and a brother, that's how I had to look at it. And that's how I did look at it.
2: Right. You got to wish him well and, you know, do the best you can to support him. You know, at this point, man, you, you know, DC4 is coming up. You're kind of a band hopper. You know, you've got bands going on at the same time, you know, taking turns in between. You're all over the place. How does DC4 come into play then?
3: Well, DC4 came, came to be probably around 1994, really. Um, it had a different name. And it was just something that I had to do or I wanted to do. I had always written songs and I just started singing on the demos. And, uh,. You know, got to get to my brothers, and we got another guitar player, we had a Different guitar player at the time, and uh, they just said, "Well, you know, you're going to sing, right?" And I wouldn't really plan on that, but they, will, so I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a shot." So um, we made our first record, I think, in '98. We made an EP, and then uh, 1999, so we made our first album. But we've made three albums now, mm-hmm. an EP. Right. Uh, but it was just something that you know, I. I I wanted to do because I had the material and and uh, you know I'm a musician and uh Armored Saint you know at the time didn't exist so I needed to do something and I put together a band with Sean right after Armored Saint broke up called Bird of Prey that was uh it was a four piece band uh, it was more on the it was real super uh metal and it was a cool band but it just wasn't clicking right we did it for about a year and. You know, the singer wasn't right and it just didn't have vibes so
2: That was your rebound band, band man was that that was your rebound band
3: pretty much yeah <laughs> that's a great way to put it Yeah, that's exactly it you know it was something that was uh that I got into that wasn't going to last it was just there so I could feel busy you know and uh but it wasn't it wasn't strong and it wasn't uh yeah so this is the only band i've ever been in that that, that didn't do a record but that really was kind of where DC Four—the idea of doing this other thing—so I was writing the kind of music that DC Four does, uh, and so we just decided to expand that and forge ahead with doing our own thing. And uh, we wanted to bring Matt in, and uh, he was actually in Bird of Prey toward the end, but he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, let's answer your question. The band came to be as a result of you know just having material and and wanting to record it and wanting wanting to do it
0: yeah we were listening to um as we were getting the mics and everything set up we were listening to triple x off the electric ministry album and uh killer it's just great stuff man and i gotta say it's I i don't know if it's a sibling thing or what but i mean there's definite chemistry having you know two of your brothers in the same band with you
3: oh yeah i mean there's no doubt about it you know it's it's blood you know and uh and really the band kind of went to a next level when we got when we got rowan in the band uh the other guitar player we had before, he was a really good player, um, but uh, when Rowan came in, it was definitely a—he uh, was—he was a cog in the machine. Where I think the other guy we had was just a good player. Right. Uh, so the energy level and the, and the cohesiveness and the synergy went up quite a bit. So and it's interesting—you you remove or add a, a member in a band, and it can change the band one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You just never know. until so you. have so you do it you know so fortunately for us it definitely uh kicked it into high gear
2: you know and for people that don't know you know and i and i can be honest with you And, and a testament to this i'm a big fan of armored saint i can appreciate what odin has done but i had never really listened to dc4 before you know we started talking about that we were going to talk to you jeff duncan and i can tell you man DC4 awesome is fucking awesome, man. Really good. You know, and if anybody so. out there is a fan of hard rock and heavy metal, do yourselves a favor and check out this band. Yeah. Very good stuff.
3: Yeah, we just actually got our, uh, we just reconfigured our, our website. So if anybody's interested in DC4, dc4rocks.com is everything available there. Merchandise, our, all of our albums, everything. So dc4rocks.com if anybody's curious.
2: Oh, yeah, and if cool. you don't know, go check it out. You'll want to know for sure.
1: Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army?
4: You slimy
3: scumbag, get on your face and give me 25.
1: Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash Got a question, comment, request, or legal threat? Call us on our voicemail hotline at five four zero db geek one. That's five four zero three two four three
0: three five one. So, so what's on the horizon for you? More gigs with Armor you know, Saint? That's
2: the more- funny thing I was thinking too, Chris. You know, normally you towards the end of the interview and you say to your whole, your subject, you know, so what's up with the band now? But to say that to Jeff Duncan, he'd say. Which one? Pick one of the three. Oh, exactly. What, so Jeff, what's going on with all three of your bands, man? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well well, Odin, you know, is, is kind of always, you know, a big question mark. So that's not active at all. Right. Uh now. Um, but uh we're beginning writing for an, a new D C four album, which we'll start we'll start working on that probably come the beginning of the year. Uh and then uh after that, uh, after that we'll see. You know, I'll probably just be getting settled into my Uh, in Vegas, you know, where I just moved and getting active here and, uh, you know, just enjoying some new surroundings and, you know, kind of a a fresh perspective on things, you know. That's why I got out of L.A. I just wanted a new Fresh perspective, and if they're going to start writing again, it's only going to contribute to that. It's, uh, it's just a lot quieter here. Yeah. <laughs> Every,
0: everybody seems to be going out to Vegas because, like, I, I've, you know, I've heard Jakey e. Lee's out there, Vince Neal is out there, or Nashville, or Nashville. One of the two. Uh, Brent Muscat has got the Sin City Centers out there. Do you ever get together with any of those guys?
3: Oh, yeah. I've, I've uh, sat in and jammed with uh, Sin City Centers uh, a couple of times, and uh, I actually, two nights ago, saw Jake. Talk to him a little bit, which was great right on. he's putting um, a
0: new thing together, right
3: yeah he's he's got something recorded, and uh I think he's looking for a singer right now to you know do shows with because his album he did it with a lot of a bunch of different singers uh-huh. um, but uh but you know sitting and talking to him was just great. I mean he's one of my heroes you oh know, yeah badass you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just awesome. so uh it was great to meet him and uh was at a party uh the other night or yesterday. Uh, for a magazine out here, and I, you know, I was hanging out with Ron Keel, who I've known for years, and it's sure. on Oz Fox and Striper, and talk to him, so there's a lot of people out here, uh, a lot of rock and rollers. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a great place to be, you know. Uh, uh, L.A., I mean, really, the music seems kind of dead, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's certainly not what it used to be. But more importantly for me, personally, I just needed to make a change. I just wanted to get out of there. And, uh, you know, 46 years of living in the same place. <laughs> <know? laughs> I want something else, and Having toured and seen all the different places that exist, I thought it would be nice just to check one of them out. And all my buddies, you know, a lot of my buddies were out here in Vegas, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll go there.
0: Well, can I ask cool. you Can I ask you a couple of goofy questions before we let you go? Not that the other ones we haven't asked were goofy either, but uh, yeah. all right. I, I was reading on your, your bio that you've done over 1,000 live shows. Now, tell me... And you don't have to. Don't, and of course, I know you're gonna say everywhere. Everywhere we play is our favorite place to play. Was what your what's been one of let's just say one of your favorite places to play, and what's been like just the absolute worst live gig you ever had?
3: Well, uh, I remember Armor Saint did a, a show, and uh, it was when we we did Revelation mm-hmm. and it was kind of like you know Armored Saint's back, and Armor Saint has always received a lot of love from Germany, and uh, uh, we did the. the Bakken Open Air Festival. Sure. And uh, and it was just the energy was just amazing. Was a ton of people, and we went. We were the first band of the day that went on that had lights, and it was just the the time of day was perfect. The gig went without a hitch. There was no problems. The band sounded great. The crowd was amazing, and that was definitely definitely one of the best shows I ever played in my life. Awesome. Um just because there was so much love from the crowd and, and everything was perfect. It was all just right. Um, uh, just a real magical kind of night. And uh, I'll never forget that gig. Uh, you know, we did some dates, uh, it, you know, in the early nineties, we did some, we did a European tour with Scorpions. And that was pretty cool because it was all sold out arenas, So that was great. But that, uh, But that one show we did in 2000 was just amazing. Mm -hmm. But uh, worst gigs, I mean, you know, which one? (laughs) (laughs) You you know, it's kind of like that. It definitely depends on your perspective on things. But, uh, you know, as far as a a bad gig, I remember having one, you know, in Florida one time that was just everything went just completely wrong. And there weren't really that many people there. It was during the Symbol Tour Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody was tired and burnt and grumpy and, it was just really not fun. It was, it was a drag and, and that gig in Florida, I think probably stands out. Yeah. Nothing against Florida,
4: <laughs> but, uh,
3: but uh, you know, other than, you know, they should probably get their whole voting system together, I think. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, that one I, I remember was, I just wanted it to end. I just wanted the show to end. It was a drag. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, most of the gigs I've done, you know, you, you're there to play for people who bought a ticket and, and, so the responsibility is to, is to uh, give them their money's worth and and right. that sort of thing. So you know, even if there's you know some gigs there's more more people than others, but that doesn't mean you should give any give them less. Right. You know. So uh, I've always kind of looked at it that way. And once I started playing out live with DC Four, it really became evident because we were a new band.
0: Yeah, starting. You know, from you scratch. could say you
3: got you got this guy from Dio and this guy from One Saint, you know, Ode and blah 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 but it doesn't mean that we're any of those bands. So we right. had to climb. We had to, you know, and we still do, you know, we keep making records. And, you know, I mean, to be honest, I never really got into it for, for that sort of thing, you know, for, you know, recognition or fame or, I, I mean, it, it sounds cliche, you know, but I never really did. I just really enjoy playing music. Right? It's it's what I do and I love it. And uh, regardless of anything, you know, if I'd never made a record or anything, I'd probably be still playing guitar. It's, you know, it's nothing like it just having the ability is in and of itself is amazing, you know, I'm like, wow, it's so cool that I, I know how to do this.
4: Right. You know? yeah.
3: So uh, everything else uh, above and beyond that is gravy. And, and and I'm more fortunate that I've been able to be a part of it at all, as far as playing in other countries and other States and uh, recording albums. It's It's like, wow, that's, that's just super, you know.
0: Well, Jeff, it's it's been great talking to you. Thank you for giving us some of your time, and I uh, uh, hope everything goes well with DC4 and with yeah, Armored Man. Saint.
2: And got to uh, recommend everybody go check out DC4. It is really, really good stuff. Did we mention Jeff sings? It's awesome somebody had stuff.
3: To, somebody had to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really good vocals. You should have been singing for Odin back then.
3: I, I didn't even know I could do it until, you know, <laughs> 1995 probably.
2: Bill Gazzari didn't think you were pretty enough.
0: Yeah, I guess not.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was too busy wanting to be Eddie Van Halen back then.
2: Right, not a not a bad thing to no, aspire to. Nothing wrong with that.
3: <laughs>
0: all right. Well, thanks so much for coming on with us, Jeff, and uh, good luck with all the uh, future projects.
3: Yeah, well, you know, thanks for the support, guys. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank Jeff Duncan again for coming on. That was pretty entertaining. What do you think about that? Very
2: cool, man. How many times do you get to talk to a guy who's been in, you know, three kind of high-profile bands? You know, Odin. You know, they've got their uh, their. I, I don't want they're to say infamous. Yeah, they're infamous for uh, the decline of Western civilization, Part Two: of The Metal Years. And you know, it's it's just one of them things. You know, and watching that movie, and I recommend if you're a hard rock and heavy metal fan you've got to see that i mean you've just got it's required to. viewing you know and it's funny especially now it's especially cool to look back in retrospect and see you know reality tv before reality tv yeah but well, it's not necessarily
0: it's, what i would show people that are not rock and metal fans because it's, right, it's more like our, our dirty little secret that we love right
2: to i mean there is some in, embarrassing stuff yeah. in there and And you can tell a lot of the stuff in it is staged, you know, it's all for performance, you know, effect. But it is what it is. And, you know, a lot of people blame that movie for the downfall of hard rock music from the 80s.
0: I blame Pretty Boy Floyd and bands like that. Right.
2: But then if you're going to talk about that, you almost have to include bands like, you know, all the other ones that were coming up in L.A. at that time, you know. And I don't want to say Odin because... I think there's a couple of bands out there that didn't get signed that were the exception. Maybe Odin, London, well, Shark Island maybe. Shark Island know? was awesome. Yeah, yeah
0: they, I mean there was there was just a, a lot there was a glut a glut of hard working bands and, and not that's, everyone's going to get up to the top.
2: That's the tough part about it because you know, you look at the pool of talent in Los Angeles at that time for that kind of music, you know, the glam hard rock scene. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many bands only so many are going to make
0: it. Right. There's only so much you room. You know,
2: when there's that much but of then, a talent pool, somebody's going to get left behind.
0: But, you know, then Jeff goes on and, you know, Talk joins about Armored a, Saint, yeah, which no is kidding. an amazing band, about a, tra-
2: a guy who, you know, can take it and transition one thing into another thing Absolutely. into another thing. And with Jeff Duncan, everything rocks. And one thing I want to tell the listeners about, you want a real piece of Jeff Duncan, go on to YouTube and check out, I think it's, like, the NOM. I think it's 2011. He's on there with uh, crank amplifiers. So yeah, put in, yeah, put in Jeff mentioned. Duncan, crank, and NAM. Yeah. And you're going to come, come upon this video of him just killing it on guitar. Yeah, uh,
0: the dude ripped on the guitar, just tore
2: it up. Beautiful stuff.
0: So, I guess we got to do plugs before we do a playout song. Of course, we're going to do uh, yeah, a DC4 yeah, track. Yeah, we,
2: we, we got to play a full DC4 track to rock this one out for sure. What else we got to do?
0: Well, just regular plugs. Facebook.com slash Decibel Geek, Twitter at Decibel Geek Pod, and the website, as long as everything, fingers crossed, went well. By now, it should work totally. Um, should be able to go to just Geek. Wait a minute.
2: Let me do it. I can handle okay, well, it. Okay, what's the
0: web address? Aaron? The web
2: address is now www.decibelgeek.com. .com. Huh?
0: No, it's .net. No, I'm just kidding. Oh,
2: man. Yeah, mess. No, it's .com. .com. Decibelgeek.com. They dumbed it down for me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank wow. you.
0: Playing out today's show, Jeff Duncan with the DC4. This is a track called Triple X. We'll see you next Break week. Break
1: this up. you get
4: sexy.
1: Remember to check us out at dbgeekshow.blogspot.com, facebook.com slash decibelgeek, and Twitter at Decibel Geek Pod. Also available for free on iTunes and Stitcher Radio.